Friday night, 6 p.m., and you're tuned in to Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. You might want to turn this one up for a little Rise Against with a song called Savior, just to start the show off.
All right, and that was a band called Rise Against with a song called Shavior. Once again, you're tuning in to Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. Six o'clock, Friday night. Hopefully everybody's out of work for the week. They're all getting ready for the weekend. That's another song by Loverboy called Everybody's Working for the Weekend. If you've never heard it, you might want to check it out on YouTube or iTunes. So many places to download music and listen to music nowadays and do podcasting. It's like everybody's doing podcasting nowadays. Myself, I have a group on Facebook called Louie Live. I encourage people to go there, join it. It's a good place to showcase your music. If you ever want to come on the show, just let me know. I've had people on in the past. They just show up, put a microphone in front of them. My good friend George Murdy comes on once in a while with his wife Linda. He's got a couple new songs out, and uh, we've been discussing what time that we can get him in here to play some of those new songs. Haven't nailed it down yet, but we will. George Murdy, M-U-R-T-I-E. He's got some songs out there on his YouTube channel. If you want to check him out, he's a really good artist. So, like I say, if you ever want to come on, if you'd like to have your own show, you can come on down here. I encourage everyone to do it. We'll review you. See what your show is all about. Maybe we'll get you a time slot here. Good place to come down to the radio station and learn how to run all of this equipment. Podcasting, I podcast on Anchor. Some segments are one hour, some are two hours, some are spliced together. One thing about Anchor is it's free. And whenever you upload one of your shows, your podcast, it automatically goes to like, 10 different locations, you know, the top podcasting places. So that's all good. So much out there for people nowadays. It's a great time that we live in. It's a great country that we live in. The best country in the world, as I always say. You know, one thing about America is that if you can think it, it's out there. You know, I always say, like, you can go into a grocery store and they've got a whole aisle of just like potato chips, right? Got a whole aisle of soft drinks, whole aisle of wine, whole aisle of beer. You know, they have incredible produce sections where you can get pretty much all the vegetables and fruits from around the world. And bakeries, you know, some of these stores, they have amazing bakeries with all these delicate pastries that Just make your mouth drool looking at them, right? It's a great country that we live in. I just wish people would appreciate it more. So my show, if you know by now, it's music and talk radio. It's on every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. I talk about whatever... We see on the news or social media. Play a little classic rock here and there in between. It's all good. Time goes by pretty quick when I'm in here. I always say that I 
walk in the door here every week with about two dozen articles that I'm going to read and discuss. But a lot of times, especially once you get involved talking politics, it's like you just kind of don't have time to read all the other articles and play much music. So today, I'm going to try to focus a lot on local issues here in Vermont, God's country as I call it. A lot of serious things going on. This article I'm going to start the show off with, it says Salisbury couple are attacked by a rabid coyote. Believe it or not. I mean, in Vermont, yes, we do have coyotes, we have coy dogs, we have bears. Pretty much the entire state of Vermont is green. I mean, you can fly over at nighttime. You don't see many lights down here because it's all preserved land by the state. Because there's a handful of people, as I always say, control the state of Vermont. And in the Chittenden County area, and pretty much throughout the entire state of Vermont, which has a population of only a little over 600,000 people. It's controlled by a handful of people who don't want you building anything. They don't want to see new houses. They don't want to see new apartments, apartment complexes. Affordable housing is a very dirty word in the state of Vermont. You know, people say, well, the West Coast is expensive. Well, you know, folks, right here in Burlington, Vermont, which is the largest city in the state of Vermont, you can get a one-bedroom apartment, approximately 900 square feet, which isn't the Taj Mahal, for $2,000 a month, plus utilities. $2,000 a month for a one-bedroom apartment in the city of Burlington. I'm not making that up, folks. So all you people out there that say, well, you know, Louie, it's pretty expensive living in California. Well, it's just as expensive here on the East Coast in Vermont, folks. And there's no sign of affordable housing in sight. And pretty much everything that they build are one-bedroom units. So like I was saying, pretty much the entire state of Vermont is undeveloped. It's forest, pretty much all of it controlled by the state of Vermont. And a lot of people think, well, you know, we'll just go out and ride our bikes on a bike path which a lot of them are through wetlands and protected forest. They think, we'll just go out hiking in the woods. Well, that's all fine and dandy, folks, but you got to realize that out there in the woods is the wildlife, and that's their home. And a lot of these animals, they hunt to survive. And when they see you, you're just a meal. No harmful intentions. They don't hate you. But they have to eat. Because they don't have grocery stores on every corner like we do. So this couple right here. 
It says the Vermont Fish and Wildlife officials say the coyote that attacked an Addison County couple on past Monday has tested positive for rabies. Not good. Officials say Priscilla and George Gilman of Salisbury were walking on their property this past Monday morning when they were attacked. George retrieved a shotgun and killed the animal as the attack continued. And from what I saw on the news last night and what they said was that the coyote was biting the end of the shotgun barrel. Can you imagine that? And then George pulled the trigger and let him have it. So the Vermont Health Department confirmed Wednesday that the coyote was rabid. And wildlife officials say that while coyote attacks on humans in Vermont are rare, they are not unknown. Well, this was on their own property, folks, in Salisbury, which a lot of that land down there is undeveloped. It's out there in God's country, as they say. But I always tell everybody, when you go out into the woods, you're not in the city anymore. And you're going to run into coyotes and coy dogs and bears. A lot of wild animals out there, folks. And they're just looking at you at their next meal or you're invading their territory and they're going to challenge you to get the heck out of their territory. So I tell everybody, whenever you go out into the woods, you carry a gun and a knife and you be on the lookout because animals will stalk you and they'll be up in a tree and jump down on you or out from behind a rock when you least expect it because that's what they do for a living. That's how they survive. So don't fool yourself, folks. Always be on the alert when you're in the woods. Carry a gun, a knife with you. Maybe even a first aid kit. Having said that, we're going to move on to the next article. This has been dragging on for a while, folks, in the legislation. It says Vermont plastic bag ban is heading to the House. A plastic bag ban that some consider to be the most progressive in the country has passed the Vermont Senate and is on its way to the House. Well, folks, the legislation, everything political in the state of Vermont is controlled by the Democrats and liberals. They say that they control over 80%. And they even have veto power over Governor Phil Scott, who they say is a Republican. Myself, I've never considered him to be a Republican. But you have to ask yourself this. We live in the self-proclaimed most liberal state in the United States of America, Vermont. They control over 80% of the political seats. So how is it that a Republican is sitting in the seat of the governorship? You tell me that, folks. Is this person a Republican? I don't think so. There's no way in hell, excuse my French, that a Republican 
can become the governor in the most liberal state in the country. The Democrats vote him in, folks, because they need a scapegoat. When the crap hits the fan, they don't want to take the blame. They don't want to go down in the history books as being the blame. So, they all go there and they vote for Republican governor. Scapegoat. Don't let them fool you, folks. One thing that bothers me also is uh, Scott Milne. Now, he ran for governor and almost beat Peter Shumlin, right? So when Peter Shumlin stepped down, Scott Mill could have run for governor and bet a shoe-in. But instead, he allowed Phil Scott to run for governor, who never did. He was always a lieutenant governor looking up at Democrat Peter Shumlin. It was his job to run for governor, to represent the Republicans in a large majority of the people in Vermont, who I believe don't even go out and vote because they have a bad choice of candidates such as Phil Scott, because everybody knows that he's just a Democrat in sheep's clothing. He never ran against Shumlin. Scott Milne should have ran for governor, but instead he runs for Congress. I don't even recall, was it against Patrick Leahy or Bernie Sanders? Either way, these guys have been in there longer than God has looked down on green earth. I think they were there before they even created the earth, Pat Leahy, matter of fact. I mean, the guy's older than dirt. I don't know if he's ever accomplished anything but at least he shows up to vote. One thing about Patrick Leahy is uh, Seven Days Newspaper did an article on him saying that he claimed residency in Virginia in 1978, over 40 years ago. He owns a house in Virginia where his mail goes to. If he spends a lot of time working in Washington, D.C., I got no problem with him buying a home there and staying there instead of keep traveling back and forth from Washington to Vermont. I got no problem with that. But what I do got a problem is, everybody should have a problem with, is the fact that he claimed residency in Virginia in 1978, over 40 years ago. He's not representing the state of Vermont. He should be running for Congress in the state of Vermont, I mean Virginia. This is the biggest case of fraud I've ever witnessed in my entire life. He should be investigated. We've been paying Patrick Leahy and his administration for 40 years when the state of Virginia should be paying his salary. Somebody that actually does claim residency in the state of Vermont should be sitting in his seat. He should be prosecuted. Regardless of what party you're affiliated with, Republican, Democrat, the Green Party, the Liberals, 
progressives, you should recognize him as a fraud. And he shouldn't be allowed to get away with this. It's terrible. It's an insult to the integrity of the state of Vermont. I don't know how much longer these guys are going to last in politics, folks. You see uh, Patrick Leahy, he's about 100 years old or so. Bank fraud Bernie Sanders. He'll be about 80 years old come election day. Thing about Bernie Sanders is the last election in 2016, he spent like two years or so before that running for president. And like I said from day one, folks, he's an old man almost 80 years old. He's never accomplished anything in his political career. That's on record, too. I'm not making that up. He doesn't want to be the president of the United States. I said that he was brought in to the arena to take the heat off of Hillary Clinton and to get some retirement money. That is exactly what happened. Didn't have very many debates, but when he did, he stood right there and he said to the audience and the world, he says, I'm sick of hearing about her emails. Meaning he wanted it all swept under the rug. It's like I said, he was brought into the arena to take the heat off of Hillary Clinton and exactly what he did. And as far as getting some retirement money, like I said, he bought a nice house right on the beach of Lake Champlain. Where did that money come from? I'd just like to point this out. The DNC claimed that they were broke. They didn't have any money in the 2016 presidential race. So Hillary Rodham Clinton supposedly gave them $20 million to keep them afloat. And in return, they didn't give the Democratic nomination to Bernie Sanders for president. They gave it to Hillary. And everybody knows it. That's a fact. I'm not making that up. Everybody knows it. Bernie should have been very upset. He should have got some lawyers, sued Hillary, sued the DNC. Right? He should have. But he didn't. What kind of a president would he have been that doesn't stand up for his own rights or the rights of his constituents voting for him? Not a very good president. One thing I'd also like to point out about Bernie before we go to another song is that He could have been the president if he stood up for his rights. He proved me right. Nobody can deny that. I've been saying it for two years, sitting here on the radio. You know, you finally hear other people saying it across the airwaves. 
What I'm getting to about Bernie Sanders is the fact that he's the Pied Piper of the naive and the gullible. Young people, these millennials, have a lot of responsibilities on their shoulders, just like everybody that's coming up in society since the beginning of time. They're afraid about going to college. They don't know what they're going to get on their SATs. They don't know what college is going to accept them. And then they don't know how they're going to get the financing to go to any college that accepts them. And then once they get out, they got to have a job. They're probably on the average going to be in debt about probably $100,000. It's a big burden to have on your shoulders at such a young age. You're going into college, hopefully, not even knowing who you are, what you want to be, or where you're going in life. But you've got four years to figure it out. A lot of these colleges nowadays, they realize that. And they will work with you to create your own degree. So here comes Bernie Sanders, the king of socialism, the Pied Piper of the scared, the timid, the meek, the anxious. And he's promising you all free college education. And you're thinking, wow, this is great. I can go to college for free. I won't be $100,000 in debt. Maybe I'll get some liberal art degree to hang on a wall. And I can still go work at McDonald's, right? Still live in my parents' basement till I'm 27 and stay on their insurance. You can just kick the can down the road until you're 27. No responsibilities. You know, my parents have always bought me an iPhone. They'll buy me another one. I'll have a big screen TV in my room. Be able to drive mom and dad's car. Have a refrigerator full of food. Sleep in bed till like 10 o'clock or so. Get up, watch TV for a while. Then take a nap. Yeah, that's the future that Bernie Sanders is promising people. No responsibility. Go to college for free. But what is the reality, folks? Bernie Sanders was going all over the country, speaking to people around the world about socialism and how great it is, talking about free college education. No idea how to pay for it. He even talks about taxing people 70 to 80% of your income. Can you imagine that? 70 to 80%. That's how you're going to afford all these welfare programs. But while he is going around talking about free college education to the naive and the gullible, his wife Jane Sanders was the president of Burlington Technical College. And their daughter was hired on to teach a woodworking class. 
Can you imagine that? Teaching a woodworking class at a technical college. How much do you think that paid, folks? $500,000. Can you imagine that? They were paying their daughter $500,000 to teach a woodworking class through a technical college. Wow. No wonder they were being investigated for $10 million bank fraud. But anyhow, like I was saying, Bernie's going around the country looking at the cameras, speaking into the microphones, talking to people around the world that he's promising them free college education while the whole time his wife, Jane Sanders, was running Burlington College into the ground. Bam. You imagine that, folks? How can anyone with one functioning brain cell even consider voting for Bernie Sanders. It's amazing. What ties these people together? Fear. And then he goes around telling people to resist. Spreading fear and anger and hatred. Just like the Nazis did. Just like Joseph Stalin did. Just like Mussolini did. Just like Napoleon did. All these madmen throughout the course of history realize that people basically have one thing in common, folks. And that's hatred. And if you go around and preach that hatred and whip people into a frenzy they're going to follow you blindly and what's going to happen to some of these people they're going to go over the edge they're going to get out of their car at a baseball field they're going to see two teams practicing for a baseball team And the guy says to the onlookers, which team is the Republican team? And they point out to the field where the Republicans practicing for the baseball game. And this guy walks over to them and starts shooting people, killing people, until somebody comes along and shoots him. And this guy, folks, worked for Bernie Sanders, one of Bernie's followers, or as I say, one of his cult members. And that is living proof about the Democratic Party going on their tours, preaching to people to resist anything that this president or his administration even discussed. They don't want you to look at the economy and see how it's booming, right? They don't want you to look at any of that. They just want you to resist. Something scary about this scenario, folks. 
These people are all being bound together with hatred. Just like throughout the course of the history of mankind. Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, Napoleon, Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Party. Got to wake up, folks. Got to start using your head. You got to say no more. We're tired of it. Yesterday was the anniversary of the death of Dr. Martin Luther King, one of the greatest people to walk this planet. He spoke of people coming together, not recognize anybody's culture, your sex, your race. His dream was to all sit down at the table as family, as friends, and to get along. Yesterday was the anniversary, folks, of the death of Dr. Martin Luther King. And I think if he was around today, he would be disgusted with the Democratic Party and the fact that they're going around telling everyone to resist. People don't realize that Dr. Martin Luther King was a Republican but I think more so he was an independent like I am. Seemed like he had a good head on his shoulders and he looked at both sides and I believe one side had him assassinated. But we'll never really know what happened there either, do we? Myself, I've always thought that it was Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and the likes had him assassinated so that they could take his position. But reality is, folks, none of these jokers could ever replace Dr. Martin Luther King. And his legacy does live on. So we're going to play another song here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We're... 35 minutes into the show. Time's going by quickly. You can give me a call if you want. I forgot to say this is a live call-in show. The studio line is 802-540-6890. So I'm going to play a song by R.E.M. And this song is called Orange Crush. Hope you're enjoying the show so far.
that was R.E.M. with a song called Orange Crush. I don't know if they're still around. They haven't had a song in quite a while. They're a pretty good band. Where do we go from there? Well, let's see. We'll stick with Vermont for a while. Says uh, Vermont joined state by suing the USDA over school lunches. You know, the state of Vermont, folks, doesn't have any money. They're broke. The government is the largest employer. There's only 600,000 people in the state of Vermont. We can't afford to pay their exuberant salaries. You get a copy of your town records. You look at the budget. You see the payrolls. You know, a lot of them are getting paid well over $100,000 a year. We're a small state. A little over 600,000 people, folks. We can't afford these people anymore. They don't talk about it much, but just the pension alone has put the state of Vermont in the hole over $4 billion. They're starting to talk about it more. They're talking about the pensions. You have to find something to tax. Like marijuana, right? Last year, on the news, they said the newest rage was distilleries. They said that 17 new distilleries were coming online last year in the state of Vermont. It's quite a few. But you know, you have to tax that alcohol, folks. They get all these different micro beers nowadays. You got to tax them. Any folks been into the store? They got a whole aisle of just micro beers. And some of them, the prices are outrageous. I mean, you're talking like $15 or so for a six pack. And a lot of these beers now are coming in four packs. Myself, personally, I've been making beer for over 20 years. It's not a complicated thing. You know, you could just take water, put some hops in it, boil it for about an hour, put all that in a five-gallon bucket, let it set for about a day or two and make a nice hops tea, throw in some barley and whatnot. It's not expensive. You strain it. What I do, I strain it first. Makes it easier. Then you put in about five pounds of sugar, which you can go to the store. That's like about $3 and something for five pounds of sugar. Then you stir it up and you put in some yeast. That might cost you a couple bucks, pack of the yeast. You put the lid on it, you let it ferment for about a week. Then after that, you strain it. Then you throw it about three quarters of a cup of corn sugar to carbonate it. This really irks me, folks. These micro beers claiming of the quality that they are and charge you like about $15 or so for a four pack 
right? A lot of them, not even a six-pack, a four-pack. They don't even carbonate their beer, a lot of them. It's flat, 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 flat. And a lot of them don't even strain the dead yeast out of the bottom of it. It's like a pasty, you know, sitting on the bottom of the beer, you see it's like a sludge. Probably about a half inch or an inch thick. And people are buying that. You know, it's dirty, polluted beer with sludge and waste. And it's flat. It's not even carbonated. It's like the lowest quality beer that I've ever seen. I mean, you can go into the store, like even back in the old days, and buy a six-pack of Slitz beer. Remember that, folks? Everybody used to drink Slitz beer. wasn't the best beer in the world. But at least it was filtered and it was carbonated. The stuff they're putting out nowadays is garbage. And believe me, you folks, when you're making it in mass quantities, the price of the ingredients goes down to nothing. Like I was saying, you need a, like a $2 pack of yeast. You need five pounds of sugar. You can go buy like a Ziploc bag full of hops for maybe about five bucks. You only need to boil about half of them, you know, for so for about probably not even $10, you're making yourself a five-gallon bucket of beer, which is about two and a half cases of beer for less than $10, right? Two and a half cases of beer you can make yourself for less than $10. And these people are going to the store and selling these beers like this heady topper. Outrageous prices. Outrageous. They take advantage of the Vermont way of life. People think, oh, it's a Vermont product. It's got to be really good. It's got to be worth the money. Folks, I encourage everyone to learn how to make their own beer. And you will see what garbage a lot of these beers in the store are. Low quality, not filtered, they're flat. Myself personally, I go out there and get a six pack of Budweiser and I'm happy. The king of beers. That's one of the cleanest beers that they make. I don't know folks, a lot of people when they're out spending money on these micro beers. I think it's just like uh like I've always said, we live in like a masochistical society where people like to be abused. They're like, hey look at me, I'm drinking this beer, it costs like forty dollars for a six pack. Right? I'm driving this BMW or this Audi. It's not worth what I paid for it, but people can say that I'm driving a BMW or an Audi. Is that bragging rights? You know, is this a masochistical society where people like to be abused and like to suffer? Here, take all my money for this car that ain't worth it, but I want my friends to see that I have the money to buy a car that ain't worth it. Segregation, right, comes in all forms, folks. All shapes and forms. But like I was saying, 
Vermont is joining a lawsuit accusing a federal agency of making nutrition standards for school meals worse. The lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Agriculture was filed this past Wednesday in Manhattan Federal Court. It aims to overturn changes in standards for sodium and whole grains. Wow, imagine that. Everybody's up in war. We're going to sue the federal government because uh, there's too much sodium and whole grains. Well, just cut back, you know, folks. Everything's in moderation. Teach your kids everything is moderation. Teach your kids, like I was saying at the beginning of this, that the state of Vermont is a small group of people. It's a small state, little over 600,000 people living here, and we do not have the money to be wasting on frivolous lawsuits like this. That's the point, folks. We do not have the money to waste on frivolous lawsuits such as this. Like I say, don't believe me. Go to your town hall, get a copy of the budget, and see what people are making for incomes at your taxpayers' expense. But, you know, Vermont joined New York, California, Illinois, Minnesota, New Mexico, and the District of Columbia in the lawsuit. Pretty much all Democratic-controlled states. The Justice Department did not immediately comment. The lawsuit comes after the Trump administration scaled back contest school lunches standards from the Obama administration. One required that only whole grains be served. You imagine that, folks. You know kids are growing up and they're finicky. A lot of them are very picky eaters even as adults. So, these kids are going to go to the lunchroom. They're going to see that everything is whole grains. Vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, okra. Right? They're not going to eat it. So, what happens? Kids are going to sit there and go hungry. A lot of kids don't have parents to make their lunch. A lot of them depend on school lunches due to financial reasons. That's a lot of kids nowadays because it's getting harder to make a living nowadays, folks. You know, so these kids don't have the ability and the capability to make a lunch from home and bring it to school. So they're at the mercy of the lunchroom. They're at the mercy of what Obama and his administration did to the school lunch programs. One school only had whole grains. That's terrible if you're a kid. And they're stubborn. And they would rather starve than eat this. So they do. So you have to ask yourself, folks, was Obama and his administration out to abuse our children? Because to me, when kids are going hungry, it's abuse. And people can say, well, you know, Louis, when I was young, you ate whatever was ever on the table. Well, we did. But it's a different world, folks. 
different generation growing up. Different parents. Like I said, a lot of parents cater to their kids. I think a lot of them send them off to college just to get them out of the house, hoping that they'll grow up while they're gone to college and they'll get a degree where they can go out and get a job and support themselves. But the reality is, folks, a lot of them come back home and they end up living in your house till they're 27. In the court of the Democrats, your children can now stay on your insurance plan till they're 27. Well, as I've always said, folks, when you're 27 years old, you're not a child anymore. People should not be referring to these adults as children. Because in my day, my generation, when you were 27 years old, you got out of high school, got yourself a pretty good job. A lot of them were production jobs. A lot of them, though, were good-paying jobs with good benefits. You could marry your high school sweetheart, and you could buy a house, and you could have a few kids, and you could have a dog, and you were living the American dream. People didn't really want a lot. People weren't as greedy as they are now. But nowadays, people don't have children because they have all these college loans and everything hanging over their head. They can't afford it. So what they do is they end up moving in with somebody. If they even ever do get married, it's usually not till they're about 40 nowadays. And that's when they start thinking about having a child. And it's very hard for a woman to get pregnant when you're about 40 years old because, you know, you're days of having children have basically come and gone. So what do people do? They get themselves a couple of fur babies, right? A couple of dogs or a couple of cats. They're fur babies. They refer to them as their children. And their children drive off to the doggy daycare every day. Sometimes they come and they pick them up. But that's their family. And then what happens, you see these articles how people can't afford to have children anymore, raise a family. Because they're paying so much into the system. And then what happens? You see all these people come to the United States through these refugee programs. You'll see a pregnant woman pushing a baby carriage down the street with two or three little children following them, refugees. And a lot of them say they're not here to assimilate. They don't want to go by our culture. They don't care. They don't want to. A lot of them even say that they're here to take over. They're here to have four or five babies when you can't afford to. They're here to replace us. I believe that myself, folks. I believe the Democrats are mostly responsible for bringing refugees to the United States and what I call welfare recipients for life. 
right? While you're working two or three jobs, they're bringing these people in and they're not working. See a lot of them walking down the street all day or night. A lot of them can't speak English and they don't care to speak English. They don't want to celebrate our cultures. They don't believe in Independence Day. They won't celebrate it. They won't eat our food. And it goes on and on and on. I say if you want to come to the United States, and I've always said it over the airwaves for like the last 25 years that I've been on both radio and television, I've always said that you're more than welcome to come to our country and be a part of this great country. But when I see people coming here and say they're offended by our flag, by the national anthem, by the food that we eat, I feel insulted. And as far as I'm concerned, they should be returned from wherever they came from if they don't want to assimilate and be a part of this great country of ours. When somebody comes here and says that everything that we do and stand for insults them, I don't think we should be bringing these people like that here anymore, folks. And those people should be seriously considered for deportation. That's what I think. But a lot of people will tell you that the Democrats keep bringing them over because they'll vote for them. Because those are the only people that will vote for the Democrats because some of the things that the Democrats say, like for instance, Alexandria Cortez, or she's known as AOC, says that the world is going to come to an end in 12 years. Can you imagine that, folks? The world's going to come to an end in 12 years. I don't know, folks. Reminds me of when Jimmy Carter was president and he used to sit on TV and tell us to turn down our thermostats because we're going to be out of fossil fuels by the year 2000. He scared everybody to death and now they're trying to do the same thing. We're going to go to a song really quick here by Free and it's called Wishing Well. <laughs> 